0: Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal and I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce.
1: Hey, David. How are you doing tonight?
0: Good. Are those new glasses?
1: They sure are. Oh, I like them, Bruce. Thank you. I like them. Thank you.
0: Very Clark Kent.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I decided to go for the power glasses look this time. It's something <laughs> a little stronger than wire rim see-through stuff, so. Uh-huh. And the prescription is so much better. I had a pretty major change to my prescription. Oh, yeah. I'm developing a cataract and it's pushing stuff around. Ooh, but, uh, for now, uh, they gave me the uh, the card to do the test read for <clears> These <throat> are progressive lenses, <clears throat> and that's where the bottom, of course, is reading. And they give you the card and it starts with like size seven font and then it goes to six and then five and then four and then three. And I was able to read it all the way to the very bottom. Which awesome. is and yeah, well, it means the prescription's good. So that uh I might be able to see what I'm talking about now, David.
0: You've got you're known as sharp eyed Bruce McCurdy, Bruce, <laughs> so I don't I don't
1: uh I don't I'm know. Sharper eyed right now than I was a week ago, let's put it go. that
0: way. Yeah. I used to have glasses, but about 20 years ago now, I got the PRK eye surgery.
1: Oh yeah,
0: it's the best money I have ever spent in my life. Mm-hmm. Although actually, oh. it was a present for my wife, so I have to give Excellent. her. That. But uh, yeah, fantastic, and um, they corrected my eyes bifocally, mm-hmm. so um, that helps right now. Although they're starting to starting to maybe need glasses one of these days. Oh, yeah. All right, Bruce. Um, as readers of the culture hockey will attest. Um, that was a really really tough loss. It was an exciting game, but that's a tough loss. Five four in overtime. The grade shoot A shots shootout. Yeah, excuse me. The the grade A shots were twenty four to eight.
1: Twenty four eight. eight.
0: They absolutely dominated this game and everything but the score. And um. We'll get to why how they lost that game. There's a fairly obvious reason. Uh, anyway, let's go. Two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. What is your good thing, Bruce?
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins as, as my good thing. The Nugent popped a, a pair of goals that each time cut the Oilers deficit from two down to one. Uh, the first two goals of the game, and then he earned an uh, assist Secondary assist on the third goal that again cut the lead to one uh, that made it four, uh, three, not a perfect game for, uh, uh, for Ryan. He had, uh, he was in the penalty box for one goal by, uh, Detroit and his, I believe it was his icing that led to a lost face off and, uh, one of the Detroit goals. So, like I say, not a perfect night, but uh, two goals and assists, uh, four shots on net, and absolutely incredible um, shot shares. The Oilers had 25 shot attempts to five when Nuge was on the ice. They outshot um, Detroit 16 3, outscored him 2 1. And this is kind of how it went that the Oilers had big margins on everything except for the one that mattered most in this game. Uh, but. Uh, uh he just he's looking so mature and professional in his uh and his approach, approach and performance these nights, uh, R and H and uh he did so again tonight. Like he's he looks like a man in the prime of his career.
0: Which yeah. is exactly what he is.
1: Mm-hmm. Which is
0: exactly what he is. He's um is he's thirty years old now, is he?
1: He will be so. in April.
0: Oh, in April. Yeah. He um His first goal, especially, McDavid made the drop, kind of drop pass, Mm -hmm. and he just wired that shot in the net. That was a fantastic shot to beat uh, Vili Huso. And um, the the second goal was more of a tap-in from, you know, just go to the net and wait for McDavid to pass it right on your stick. Still a very, very big goal. And in overtime, Bruce, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: he um, stopped two-on-one. They were breaking down the ice, and he... He kind of overplayed it actually. He went to the player with the puck, but it turned mm-hmm. out the player with the puck was probably a little tired and they just made a bit a little bad. And anyway, Nuge made the play. He headed mm-hmm. him off at the pass and then he sent in Kane and Bouchard on a two on one, but Kane couldn't get off a good shot at that point. But um, so that was a very important sequence that he was involved in right at the end of the game. Um, yeah, fantastic player. I mean, the shot shares are shared and a shared accomplishment between him and Hyman and McDavid, who were easily the Oilers' best line and it wasn't even close. Mm-hmm. Um, they just dominated. They were flying out there. Connor McDavid was flying. Hyman had a really good game. Uh, but as did uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He's now has uh, 66 points in 55 games. So... Uh, That's really, really good. Although McDavid has 99 points in 55 games. So, Um, indeed, Bruce, my good thing is the tying goal, which was one of my favorite goals uh, in terms of type of goals. It was the Californian, the outside shot, uh, zinging in on net and tipped in. You know, throw the puck at the net and see what happens and what happened there was something really good the play starts off with clean the dream cost and winning the puck behind the net he's down on one knee gets back up battles his way up um towards the blue line and throws the puck at the net and um i don't know if he was aiming for ryan because it was gonna the shot like aiming for a tip the shot was gonna miss the net Mm -hmm. uh by a significant margin and and ryan just stuck out his stick and zinged it back towards the goalie and in the net it was fantastic eh? it was a fantastic play. And, you know, I call it the Californian because, of, of course, the California teams did this forever against the And was, you know, typified by the Brent Burns shot and the Joe Pavelski tip-in, which also speaks to this goal. Like, I, I sometimes refer to it sometimes dismissively or derisively, calling it the Californian.
1: Mm-hmm. But... Depends who scores, I think.
0: It, it could be a high-skill <laughs> play. It can really be a fantastic uh-huh. play when you get a Pavelski kind of tip shot. And that was the full Pavelski from Derek Ryan on that one, Bruce. He, uh, it was the big Pavelski. He really made a nice tip in play. Um, and he, that was following up on a breakaway that Derek Ryan had earlier in the uh, period where he almost scored Connor McDavid. It set him in um, on his own. And he he really came close then too. But that, that was my, that's my good thing, man. That was just so great to see the Oilers come back tie the game where they really mm-hmm. deserved to tie the game. They deserve to win this game, and um, such is hockey. What is your bad thing?
1: Yeah, my bad thing is the two goals that Edmonton gave up off of lost faceoffs, and both of them, uh, I believe, uh, followed icings, which the Oilers committed way too many icings. Even in a game like this, where they had the puck all night, too many icings. And the first mm-hmm. one, I believe, was Nuge. And then uh, uh, McDavid cleanly lost the draw. This is the problem to me. Is that not just they're losing D-zone draws, but they're losing them so cleanly that the other team gets a quick shot on net oftentimes. Like, I think tonight there may have been as many as six shots by Detroit that came directly off of uh, faceoff losses. Wasn't it uh,
0: Drysidle the second one?
1: By the Oilers, yeah. The first one was McDavid, and Wasn't the second it? one was Drysidle. Oh. The was second McDavid.
0: one... Oh, you're mm-hmm. right. It's McDavid. You're right, yeah.
1: yeah. And then Drysidle. Yeah. And then on the second one, there was this play. I saw this one, like, all the way, right? Uh, Kulak had the puck behind the Oilers' net. Uh, Drysidle came around behind the net as if he was going to take take the puck, but he left it on Kulak's stick, and then he went flying out of the zone. Meanwhile, both of Dry's wingers are already over center, and by the time Kulak is ready to pass the puck, all three of his targets are are well on the other side of center. He tries to hit the guy up the left wing boards, misses him, icing, and it comes down and again, Dry loses the draw cleanly. Like it's not even sort of a saw-off where they got a kind of pot and give the give the winger like a zero point five second head start and actually getting out to the point man. And so nobody got out to the point man. And the ever dangerous Ali Mata ripped home about a forty foot shot that uh, cleanly beat uh, Jack Campbell. And it was uh,
0: his first I, career goal.
1: Uh, no, not quite. I mean, that has been around for a long time. Matt is actually, to me, a player of minor interest for trade deadline pickup. But uh, uh, I just, uh, uh, I mean, it was just like two gifts. One was kind of a fluke, like the guy went into, got play, went into the corner and the shot guy passed it across the front of the net and hit Broberg and bounced in, I believe. It and did it was at the Broberg. far end. I was at this game, by the way, I may not have mentioned that to folks listening to the cast. You knew it. <clears throat> so I was sitting at the, you know, one far corner of the, the zone. The Oilers attacked two periods, but uh, several of the goals, of course, were at the, at the far end, including uh, the two Detroit scored in the first period. And it was, uh, but again, it's just the same old, same old, David. It's the, the ice puck. And in the D zone, it's it's frustrating how many face offs they lose so cleanly that result in these bombs on net. Like, how many power plays have we seen where the other team gets a rocket in the first five seconds of the power play? And they don't usually go in, but uh, Campbell didn't have the answer for Ollie Matta's shot. And. There it was. You know, those were the two even strength goals Edmonton gave up in this game. The other two were the two power plays Detroit had. They converted both of them. And out of that, they got four goals. And it's just like one of those soccer games, you know, where, where you have one team that's a heavy underdog and they say, well, the one way they're going to score is off of a set play right, a corner kick or a free kick or, you know, like they're not going to do it on the flow of play. They're going to do it off of some kind of set play, and that's basically how Detroit got their goals. And uh, uh, and when the play was five on five, Edmonton was utterly dominating it, but unable to convert the domination into uh, enough goals to win it.
0: Ali Mata has 35 goals in 583
1: no, there go. Once every 15 or 20 games he gets one, yeah. He great.
0: uh yeah. If 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 it wasn't for penalty kills and faceoffs, the others would be um they'd have a perfect record this year. Well, I could add one more thing to the list. If it wasn't for Jack Campbell missing shots that he should obviously save. And frankly, that's the story of this game. He he had a really super rough game. Uh, between periods, between the second and third periods, w- Walking Gage pulled no punches in his description of Campbell. He he blamed Campbell on all four goals, saying, you know, Very yeah, he said a, a he said a, um, a high caliber NHL goalie would have made each of those saves.
1: Even I don't know about the one off. off of I power? don't.
0: Well, that's that's the one I would quibble with. You know, it, it, it's, it's more cider. I think throws it out into the slot, mm-hmm. and it hits. Broberg's inner thigh and bounces in the net. That's a pretty tough one. But the other three, yeah, those are B-grade scoring chances. The first one, man, the first one was so bad from the side of the net. He just has to have that.
1: What did did he do? Like, Did he play Larkin as if he thought he was going to pass and he gave him the short side? Like It looked like Larkin was almost below the goal line and all of a sudden just shot the puck right into the net.
0: Yeah, and it went between Campbell's legs. He just Mm. just wasn't in position to make the save, Bruce. He just... Let it go right through him. It's not oh, good. And the Mata shot was hard, and the other shot, they were both hard shots, but you got to, he's good. You know, you got to make those saves. Most NHL mm-hmm. goalies make those saves. They make those saves 90, 90 to 95% of the time, even though they're B grade scoring chance shots. Like they're decent shots, mm-hmm. but they just don't go in that much in the NHL. And it's because these goalies are really, really good. And, um, awesome. Jack Campbell wasn't tonight, which is frustrating. I think it's the second game in a row where we've seen some old habits now, some bad goals against him. um He did come up, of course. He did come up huge in the third Gigantic period. Gigantic
1: save in the yeah, third. on
0: uh, Bertuzzi's two-on-one, one-timer shot. And then again, in the final seconds of the game, McDavid and Nurse combined to give up a breakaway chance. And, and Jack Campbell makes an absolutely brilliant poke check. It really was. And I was going to give him a well. I started out. I was going to give him a one, and then the Oilers a one out of ten, and then the Oilers came back and they tied it. So I was going to give him a two, because um, he made the one. They that one. He made, save. One save. He made the, the one save on Bertuzzi. Then and he made the other save. And then he was he wasn't even. He was pretty good in the shootout. Just got one save short in the shootout. I mean, he was okay
1: in the shootout. I think they uh, missed the net on two of the three. Well, that's you saves can saves he was credited with. I mean, the goalie does deserve some credit, credit for that, yeah. but yeah. But they didn't exactly make their shot. That's true.
0: Yeah, so it was a very difficult night, and they just can't have this. They got to have Campbell playing well. Like I, I honestly, after the third goal, I would have been happy to see him pulled. Um, I would have happy been see Skinner started just because Campbell, I thought, had led in a weak goal or two in the previous game. So
1: um, this episode of Skinner, David, I mean, this is three bad goaltending games in a row where we've scored at least two goals on grade B shots in each of the last three games, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, um, I can't remember Skinner. You're probably right, Bruce. 6-2 yeah. to Montreal. Oh, yeah, that game. Blacked
0: out. I forgot. I completely blacked that out. So uh-huh. um, anyway, Jack Skinner knows this. The whole world knows this. Joaquin Gage made it clear. Uh, everyone knows that that was just a really, really bad, no good, rotten game. And uh, let's move on. What is your number?
1: Yeah. Well, I'm going to look past all these gaudy numbers like 72% shot share and 75% expected goals, and uh, uh, and somehow they lost this game. And I'm going to go to the number six, and that's now the consecutive number of overtime uh, slash shootout games that Everton has lost. Six in a row, they've lost with their lethal, everybody says, best overtime duo in the league, Connor and Leon, of course. And um, they have three of those games they lost in overtime, the other three in shootouts. Uh, the Oilers actually, I think, actively suck in the shootout. I don't know if there's another way to put it that they've been, you know, they've, they've lost uh, three of them now in a row, uh, that they, that's made it that far. And uh, Connor uh, McDavid made one great shot in the shootout tonight, but uh, uh, that was the only one that Everton was able to net five opportunities. And, I mean, six in a row, like these these three-point games, the whole point of it is you get, you get half your points by getting to overtime, but you have to win the overtime to, uh, you know, even if you just win half the overtime games, uh, you know, you're you're harvesting points. But if you get to overtime every game and you always lose it, you're going nowhere. In fact, you're going backwards. And so they they got to figure something out there because the last few overtimes have been pretty dismal, David. It's not like they dominated and some goalie stoned them. <clears throat> and tonight, in fact, they had, from three minutes left in the third period, a power play, uh, five-on-four power play with the best power play in the league. Uh, they had a minute shift. The whistle went. They took a timeout. They had another minute shift. They couldn't have set up any better for them, and they generated really nothing. And then in uh, overtime, uh, the the big two had three basically one minute shifts. They changed out at four minutes and at two minutes and at, you know, and again there was just there was no magic. Uh, nothing sort of saying there's you know going to be one big sweeping play and that's going to be it and my concern David from going, attending several games this year is i really starting to wonder about the ice at Rexall Place it sure seems to be mud by the end of the game a lot of nights maybe that's just my bad luck or maybe it's my imagination or maybe it's my just frustration at going to see five out of six games against non-playoff teams and have the Orders win one of the six games I've attended this year and I'm just getting sick and tired of watching them lose to an inferior team which happened again tonight. Uh, but uh, sometimes I just I just wonder about the ice. It seems like it's slop by the third period of, of games. And I, I mean, I don't know if this is a known problem or if it's a state secret or what it is, but like, the, the puck sure doesn't seem to skim around out there very much at all in the sort of second half of the game. And uh, maybe it's just the the, the environment one night to the next. You know, the air pressure changes or the barometer does this or that. And the ice is perfect one night, not so perfect the other. But I didn't get the impression it was that great tonight either. Um, anyway.
0: Well, yeah. The overtime burst. I'm finding, um, you know, there's talk. I think Bob Stoffer said on Oilers now that Leon is still fighting the high ankle sprain that he suffered last year in the playoffs when he was dragged to the ice in a vicious, nasty play by Mikey Anderson. Signed an
1: eight-year contract today.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, you really, I think I really see it in overtime. He just doesn't seem explosive. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to have that, um, his get up and go, got up and went. Like, he just doesn't have that.
1: He that tried to explore. He used to do that play where he'd suck the guy in on the change of pace deep in his own territory and then he'd blast by him. He tried to do that on Dylan Larkin tonight. Well, for, for one thing, that was Dylan Larkin. He tried to pull it off and not some guy that's, that, uh, you know, he's, he's one of the fastest skaters in the league and he just didn't succeed. But, uh, I, I, I kind of agree with you on the explosiveness. He tries it from time to time, but it just doesn't really seem to be there, that extra gear.
0: Although he sure exploded on that puck when he scored his goal. That was oh. the uh, the executioner shot. You got to love it. You know, it was interesting because they didn't set him up there on the power play very much. They didn't have him
1: he was in, in front that of the, using
0: the bumper. And I just thought, why are you doing that? <laughs> why are you doing that? Finally, mm. they put him there for a second and bam, it's in the net like... I don't know. I know they want to have different looks, and this is the world's best power play of all time in history of the earth. So I shouldn't be saying too much, but nonetheless, I just thought why have McDavid there? Like he's, he's good. He's fine there, but start dry settle there. And, um, you're more likely to have success. So anyway,
1: well, he short sure scored from there. I had, that was right down in the corner closest to where we were sitting and saw that play set up and he got down and he kind of—it seems like he powers the puck, like he he snaps it. But he 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 gets almost all of his power from the very bottom of his swing. Like it's not like he takes a slap shot. He gets kind of collects the stick just behind the puck, and then everything he's got through the puck, and bam! What a rocket that was! Just a perfect shot right inside the post, and uh, uh, it was one of the few that beat. Billy Huso, who had a number of uh of saves on cross ice passes tonight, but he couldn't quite catch up to that one. And that was the the ex- executioner's shot for sure. Just a click. It just you could just it came off his stick like a line drive off a of Rod Carew's bat, you know, just <laughs>
0: Rodney Klein Carew from <laughs> Panama.
1: Panama. You bet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Back when I knew baseball players, Bruce, I don't know any baseball players anymore. Maybe maybe I know the name of three of them, but I don't think even that.
1: All right. Uh, Greatest bunter I ever saw, Rod Crew, among many other bat uh, tricks that he had. Wonderful bunter. He hit three
0: eighty eight one year, as I recall. All right. Let's leave it there, Bruce. We will be back at it again on Friday night.
1: Yeah, after finally playing against a playoff team, kind of, uh, they p- just finished their eight game run against non playoff teams, and they won four out of eight. David, they did. I mean, four one and three, so they did gain a tiny bit of ground. But I think eleven points out of eight games normally that's pretty good, but kind of disappointing in, that, in the in the in the, the end, ag- end of yeah. You know, they lost three of the last four. Yeah, they needed to- Philly, Montreal, and Detroit, right? so... Yeah, they needed to take it to the Habs
0: and to Detroit tonight. And they did take it to Detroit tonight, Bruce. They just had the wrong goalie in net, or or maybe not. Maybe neither of the goalies was going to get it done. Thanks for talking tonight.
1: Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.